What is up, guys? Uh, Welcome back to a new episode of Sorry for the Podcast. It has been a while. Unfortunately, I I apologize for the quality of this video. I'm having to record uh, my my laptop's uh, webcam because, I mean, I could film from my phone, but there's not really a lot of space. So I would just have a problem and I know I like to talk or like keep going on and on. And so in order to probably do this in one or one sitting or maybe two, like I'm probably going to record from this, but I mean, it's not bad, you know, give it that, uh, that good old pandemic feeling anyway. Uh, (laughs) but today we're going to be, I'm going to be discussing another controversial opinion because I've already probably exiled myself as a cinephile by saying BBS was not a bad film, but Hey, whatever. Um, because now I'm going to share another one is that I think that the Matrix 4 is, uh, <laughs> how should I word this? <laughs> I don't want to say it's a really good film. Um, it, it, it's somebody compared it to like The Last Jedi. And I feel like that comparison's a little valid, but only a little valid because I do feel like The Matrix Resurrections has a lot of great moments for me like as a because i'm a diehard like i literally kind of grew up with the matrix trilogy and the star wars prequels like those are my two for a lot of people i know it was star wars and lord of the rings but um honestly back then i wasn't really into fantasy or medieval fantasy so you know don't kill me but i'm not you know i haven't seen those movies i you know didn't really care back then and i don't really necessarily care now so I mean, you know, look, I get it. I said BBS is not a bad film. And now I'm saying that I don't really care about Lord of the Rings. So shoot me, whatever. But I do think the Resurrections, though, back to the Matrix is did something unexpected, though. Like, I do feel like it's so much more emotional and has a lot of heart. I felt like Revolutions is very underappreciated anyway. Like, I love the sequels. I love the whole trilogy. Well, now I guess the whole quadrilogy. I'll defend the sequels reloaded and revolutions like till I die. And now, obviously I guess I have to add resurrections to that now. Um, I mean, I kind of like that it's a divisive film because here we are again in 2021 back going back to the matrix, like the movie said, and now here we are all again discussing. And I think that's the best thing about it. Uh, I know a lot of people are mad uh, and, and there's a lot of valid reasons. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I was really disappointed about the action um, you know, when I grew I, I, when I was growing up and I watched these films, um, I mean, you know, obviously I was in 1999, I was like eight or nine. And then 2003, I would have been like 12 or 13. So to be fair, I probably did watch a lot of the, these movies for the action. It took, uh, you know, rewatching it later on as I got older to really understand you know, what the matrix was and what it represented and how it related to the real world. Cause I mean, at nine and 12, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are some nine and 12 year olds, you know, there's, there's a kids sometimes that are kind of way ahead of their time. But, uh, you know, back then I was a huge Bruce Lee fan. I loved martial arts films and all that stuff already anyway. So like, for me, this was like another thing like that. Like I, I've watched those movies so much that I probably know them by heart, but especially the fight scenes I've seen a lot. So That was one thing that I was really interested to see if that was going to be in this one, Um, because I know Keanu is also older. And if you watch John Wick, I mean, look, I like John Wick as much as anyone else. But I mean, you can definitely like see Keanu's age in those fight scenes like it. 
I'm just saying, like, I'm not trying to rag on him. I mean, hey, if I was him, I'd be doing it too. Like, I mean, who cares, right? He's getting paid, you know, lots of money. And I mean, it's fun. So, I mean, I don't blame him. And I don't think he's a bad actor or anything. I mean, a lot of people say he can't act, but I think he can. I I think he just, he doesn't take a lot of roles that are deep. But the thing is, is I think his acting capacity he picks the right roles that work for it though. It's not like he picks roles that like say Leonardo DiCaprio would do. Like, I don't, I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio could play Neo the way Keanu has. Like, I I don't think Will Smith could have either. And most people would probably say that both of them are better actors than Keanu. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I think Keanu does actually show a lot of nuance in his performances it's just more with his face versus his words where someone like DiCaprio he's a like a theatrical actor I mean he's using his whole body and you know (laughs) freaking out I mean he's the master of freaking out so anyway I know I'm kind of going off a little bit but um, I was kind of disappointed with the action but there was the funny thing about it is there was a running thought through my head you know as the meta stuff you know, all the meta commentary and the references and, you know, name dropping Warner Bros and things like that. <clears throat> there was a part of me that thought, what if that was like on purpose? And, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like where I'm going with this and what I'm going to say, because I know a lot of people are going to say excuses and cop outs and, you know, you're jumping through hoops, hoops to enjoy the movie. But the thing is, I do think that if you do some research into the situation about how this movie came about, and what it meant to Lena Wachowski, I think that it probably was done on purpose because I think that Resurrections is trying to make a point that The Matrix wasn't about that to begin with. And even though a lot of people like it for that, even me, but I love it just as much. I love it even more for the the the, the universe, the lore and the philosophy and how it relates to our world. As I got older, I loved The Matrix more for that stuff. I still love the fight scenes. I still love all that, you know, the, the shades and the cool, you know, walking in. And, you know, I mean, I love all that stuff. It's cool, stylish, whatever. I mean, I, I still wish this film had had that. Um, you know, they could have done like an updated version. It didn't have to be like, <clears throat> you know, reloaded or revolutions or anything. Cause obviously they were, this was this very, this did feel very much like a 2021 Matrix. Like to me, if The Matrix came out, like no previous films. If it came out today, I think it would be very much like resurrection. I mean, obviously it would be a little bit different because there would probably really be no need to resurrect anyone because if it's the first film, you know, nothing has really happened yet. But the point is, is I think people are, are a little caught up in the original trilogy, particularly the first film. And that's kind of one thing, one big point that I wanted to talk about because I see this as a recurring theme with all these reboots and remakes that people are caught up on the first films of these series. And I ultimately think that it's actually like the downfall of why people don't enjoy. Because, I mean, let's be honest, we everyone complains about these reboots and remakes and sequels. And I'm not saying that I, uh, you know, I'm absolutely in love with it. I, I do think there's a lot of unnecessary reboots and sequels and things like that. But I'm not going to lie and say I completely hate it either. And obviously you don't either because, you know, you see people continuously, you know, talking, you know, crap about it. But then these movies make a lot of money. So who's watching the movies? (laughs) I mean, you know what I mean? You're still going to see it. So. 
But my, my point is, though, is that I've, I think a lot of people went into this film. I mean, I, and I actually saw people say that I actually had a coworker today literally tell me that, that I think a lot of people were hoping for something of the same caliber as the first film. I I think part of the reason I can enjoy Resurrections is because I didn't have that expectation. You know, I was excited when it was announced and, I'm, you know, I was happy Keanu and Carrie Ann came back. But I, I was cautiously optimistic because I'm like, you know, I don't know where their story's going to go. And, you know, you know, I mean, you just don't know. There's a lot of what ifs, you know, and, and the world has changed so much since then. So, I you know, you just don't know. But I think a lot of people get blinded by that. And I think people need to start coming to terms with the fact that sequels and even reboots and things like that, they all fall under the same category, even if they're not the same thing, but sequels, remakes, reboots, they just cannot replicate the whatever made the first film, the first, you, you just cannot replicate it. We've seen a few rare instances, Terminator 2, Godfather Part 2, Aliens, where those films <clears throat> are considered just as good if not even better than the first film. And so it has happened, um, but it's it's just rare. And what's even rarer is a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, and so on film being just as good. I mean, people must be forgetting this is the Matrix 4. <laughs> this is not, you know, just because it may have been, there may have been some time since the last movie. You already complained about Reloaded and Revolutions. Why did you expect Resurrections to you know, suddenly fix all of those issues or whatever, or, or be the movie that you, you know, I get it. I, I love the mate. I love the whole saga. Right. And I get it. The, the first film is probably the tightest film because it's, it's, it's just so perfect. Like if, if you, if you were teaching a class, I feel like about story structure and the hero's journey and the introduction to a massive, you know, universe, of, of, you know, something, you know, a typical good versus evil and, you know, battles and things like that. These, these epics, right. Uh, the matrix, I feel like you could use that as a, a way to teach it. Like, I feel like it's literally near perfect. I don't really think, or at least for me personally, I don't think I can really find a flaw with that film. And so I think they struck, um, uh, I don't know what's the term struck magic fire lightning, I think it right. They struck lightning, whatever. I think the first film has the blessing of curse, <laughs> blessing of curse, <laughs> blessing and curse of being so good that it kind of ruined any chances that anything after. I mean, because you got to think, here's the thing with first films, you the first films in any franchise always have something that anything coming after it doesn't. It has mystery. <laughs> the mystery of what is the matrix. Well, you watch the first film that gets soft for you. So anything coming after the matrix can never replicate that because you, the mystery is gone. It's just a continuation. Like you watch matrix reloaded. Neo's already the one he's literally already Superman. Literally at the beginning of the film, he fights agents and he's like, you know, whatever he's super cool, like mm, upgrades, you know? So even reloaded and revolutions were never going to be as good as the first one. And that's why 
I, but I understand that. And that's why I enjoy the films anyway. And I mean, honestly, a lot of people give them flack for all of the, you know, mumbo jumbo, you know, the architect and stuff. But honestly, if you really listen to the dialogue of these films, these films are so layered. And I know a lot of people will think that I'm being hyperbolic and dramatic and theatrical and, oh, you're edgy and artsy and pretentious and stuff. And it's just a bunch of babble. Look, the point is the Matrix being not really subtle and being on the nose is kind of the point. Because the matrix itself is literally all around you and you don't see it (laughs) like so this argument that like the architect is like stupid because he just says a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Well, if you actually I get it, he's using a lot of vocabulary that most people don't know. That doesn't mean it's stupid. If you actually understand what's being said, the context and the implications, these I think honestly, the matrix as a whole, while all the films aren't perfect, but in terms of storytelling, I think The Matrix is probably one of the deepest and most layered sagas we've ever had. And I mean, yes, deeper than probably your favorite Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Well, I don't know about Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to go there because I don't know enough on that. <laughs> and I don't want to go to war with a bunch of people, you know, so I'm not going to use that as an example. I could see the Lord of the Rings being really deep, so I don't want to use that example. But I don't think Star Wars is really I mean, honestly, Star Wars is kind of like a a uh, like a casual Dune, right? Like I feel like Dune is like like a deeper version of Star Wars and Star Wars is kind of like, you know, if you don't want all the subversion and all the deep, you know, uh, you know, environmental and, 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 you know, feudalism stuff, you just kind of want like the surface level, just people, (laughs) you know, Uh, Good versus, you know, just the simple stuff, you know, that Star Wars. Not that that's a bad thing. I love Star Wars and I I like I saw Dune. Um, I love Dune, too. So, I mean, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think Star Wars is what it is and Dune is what it is. So but anyway, um, back to my overall point, though, is that I I kind of went into this film with really kind of no expectations, either low to none. I mean, yeah, I was excited, but I understand that it's the fourth film. Uh, You know, both of the Wachowski sisters weren't involved. I mean, it was just one, you know, they didn't even have uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Hugo Weaving. And and I know why Lawrence Fishburne wasn't in it. Um, So that makes sense. I I actually did like what they did. Uh, The way of bringing Morpheus and Smith's back still was was cool. I really liked it. I, I wasn't sure how I would like Jonathan Groff as, you know, Smith sort of because I was like you know Hugo Weaving is just the the way he played that part it's it's too um memorable like you know what I mean there's just nobody else that can replicate it but I think for this film what they were doing uh I I think it worked I've watched this film a couple of times now and so the more I watch it he kind of grows on me Obviously, nothing's going to ever replace or be better than Hugo Weaving. I mean, that's just but see, that's what I'm saying. Like I went into this film knowing that that was going to be a thing. Like I didn't go in expecting Jonathan Groff to out Smith Hugo Weaving, because also the thing about doing that is if you go in and he did outsmith him. Well, now, like that just blew my mind. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If you go in expecting well, he's got to be as good as Hugo or, or even better. And then he's not, well, you're, you've already set yourself up for it. I mean, people don't realize like 
when you consume art, any kind, it's psychological. So a lot of people I feel like are, are messing up experiences for films for themselves before they even watch it. You're almost kind of already saying to yourself, you're almost literally going in being like, I know this is going to be bad, but I'm going to watch it anyway. I don't do that. Yes, I get it. It's, a, it's you know, all these sequels and remakes, you know, everybody's tired of it. So I get why, you know, people go in thinking these films are not going to be bad, but I don't, I don't do that. I just don't go in with a lot of expectations. There's no way you can replicate the first matrix. And, and to think that it's possible is... Sorry, <laughs> to think that it's possible is kind of silly to me, honestly. You know, I, I'm not trying to, you know, insult anyone, but I just I mean, it's just kind of basic like storytelling, like you're con- the reloaded in revolutions had to continue the story. We cannot have Neo continue to try to find out what the Matrix is. He already did. <laughs> so what is reloaded in revolution supposed to do? I, d- I don't understand what it's supposed to do or resurrections. What are they supposed to do? They have to continue the story. If we keep regurgitating the same story beat, then we're just watching the same movie over and over, which is exactly what you say you don't want. (laughs) But then when these sequels and remakes come out and they're not, you know, as good, which you should already know they're not going to be, you end up upset anyway. It's weird. Like, I don't understand it. (laughs) I didn't go into Resurrections thinking that there would even be an ounce of the same magic of the first film because Reloaded and Revolutions didn't even do that. Reloaded and Revolutions are good in their own right. Like they're they're too I feel like, you know, because they shot Reloaded and Revolutions back to back, they both kind of have the same vibe and tone and look because they were shot back to back. You know, The Matrix was shot standalone and obviously the sequels were years later. So and I, I don't even know if they shot Reloaded and Revolutions on film. I'm sure they shot the first Matrix on film. It kind of looks like they did anyway. Um, but the Reloaded and Revolutions may have been digital. So because I know that that was around the time when that was becoming even more of a thing because the prequel Star Wars prequel trilogy, Lord of the Rings and the Matrix, they were all like trying to, you know, integrate all this new technology and try all these new things. And so, you know, I appreciated that. I mean, yeah, the CGI now is, you know, outdated and it doesn't look great. But I mean, you know, listen, man, I I think people are so nitpicky. I mean, I still enjoy the story. You know, it, it yeah, the CGI is outdated. But I mean, look, man, <laughs> it's 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 just strange to me, right? Like if movies are going to do tell these kinds of stories where people are doing things they can't do in real life. I mean, it's, it's like people who complain about virtual reality right now, right? Like I've seen people say like, Oh, well the problem with virtual reality now is like, I still know I'm in virtual reality. I don't feel like I'm in. And I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) it's got to evolve to that point. We're still in the early stages of all this stuff. Like, of course it doesn't like replace everything yet. I mean, but to be fair, the really expensive VR headsets actually are kind of that good to where, I mean, there's videos on YouTube you can watch right now of like seven to $8,000 VR headsets that are so good that you can't tell if you're looking at a computer generated image or not. So it's, it's already here. It just may not be consumer ready, right? Like it's not like 300 bucks, but if you buy like an Oculus or a PlayStation VR, 
yeah, of course, when you play the games, you're going to realize you're in you're playing a game. A lot of that is kind of the point, <laughs> but also it hasn't evolved to that point. yet. I mean, you know, so anyway, I, I acknowledge that it's not a perfect film. It's not obviously, but neither was reloaded in revolutions. And I still love those films. And the more that I read about resurrection and, and what people thought, what they didn't like, what they did like, like I went on Reddit and I do that a lot after I watch movies. Cause I like to watch movies more than once. I think at least people should be watching a movie like three times to really fully form an opinion instead of just once. Um, and I know a lot of people don't like this, but I think reading discussion is really good because it, it's actually made a lot of movies better for me and especially this movie because I also found out a lot about how this movie came about because apparently the Wachowski sisters were offered for years. You know, they, they Warner Bros wanted them to keep making more movies because obviously they want to make more money, but they didn't want to do that. And they apparently Warner Bros was going to make a matrix for with or without the Wachowskis. And so I think in, in Lena, uh, the Wachowskis, their parents uh, passed away and Lena lost a close friend. And so she, she sort of used this film as, uh, you know, something cathartic to for her. Right. Like she said, she, I read I read in an article, she said that, you know, she lost her parents, but she still had Neo and Trinity. And so that really helped her. And so from an artistic standpoint, you know, I, I'm OK with that. Like, you know what I mean? You, you kind of gave a middle finger to Warner Bros, but you still, you know, told a, a pretty compelling story because I think the best thing that I like about this film is the world building and, and the lore, you know, all the new additions and the implications of the, the trilogy, because that's actually one thing that a lot of these remakes and reboots don't do. Well, maybe remakes don't need to do it, but reboots and sequels is a lot of times stuff that happened in previous movies ends up not even like mattering if that's even a word, but a lot of times it, it ends up not even like it doesn't even matter at the end of the day. Right. Like, didn't they do that with Terminator dark fate? Like I, I didn't see it, but I heard apparently that it sort of like retconned Terminator two or something like it, it retconned like the whole point of like one of the original movies or something. And so what I did like about resurrections is even though Neo was back in the Matrix again or Neo and Trinity were back in the Matrix again, they the things that happened in the original trilogy still mattered because now we have IO and one of also another one of my favorite things and one of the big points I wanted to get to was one of my favorite things about IO was that and one of the thing things that I think Lena was trying to implement, which is something I think is really important and a lot of people aren't talking about, is machines and humans working together <clears throat> instead of being at odds with each other. And, and, and like Niobe said, being stuck in the past and, and, and always just at war with one another, <clears throat> because that was one of my favorite things about the film, because we're literally living that right now. You know, we've, we've had these smartphones, you know, computers, TVs, all, all these things, and they're evolving. And now, I mean, funny enough, the metaverse is coming and that's literally the matrix, you know, whether people realize that or not. I mean, the matrix is literally being built right now because the metaverse is eventually going to be a virtual reality that you can essentially live in 
or, you know, you can have kind of a second life in. So, I mean, people are literally going to be quite, I mean, it's literally the same thing. <laughs> Everyone's going to literally be sitting at home, you know, with a, a, a headset on or something. And it's going to be like they're jacked in. Like, <clears throat> so, but my, my favorite thing about it is showing or, or, or saying, you know, look, the reason this city is is here and the reason it's thriving and will continue to thrive is because we are working together and it's not we're not making it like us or them. And I think that that is really important. And a lot of people aren't even picking up on it. I mean, it's I know it's not an original or unique idea. You know, it's not like The Matrix is the first movie to suggest that. All right. But the way that it was presented to me, though, was kind of unique because to me, it had hope and heart behind it where a lot of science fiction movies, even including the matrix itself, a lot of science fiction, it's always bad. It's always war and destruction and dystopia. Right. But I think, you know, as technology keeps evolving and, you know, with all this metaverse stuff happening, I mean, within the next 20 to 30 years, I think we are really going to have to re-examine our relationship with technology we demonize everything and technology is one of the biggest things we demonize and we don't have to <laughs> technology can be used for good. It can benefit us. It doesn't have to be a monster. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to kill humanity. Everyone, you know, says we're zombies and social media is so bad, but no one's forcing you to use this stuff. I mean, it may not be what you want to hear. And I know a lot of people will bring up all kinds of arguments, but at the end of the day, there's nobody holding a gun to your head. You can delete the app. You can delete your account. I know they make it hard. I know I've deleted all of my social media before. <laughs> and I know like Facebook is like, they definitely don't want you deleting your account. Like they do all kinds of stuff, man. Like it's, it's not easy as just click and delete account. And then they do it like they, they're going to keep taking you through stuff. Cause they want to exhaust you until you just say, never mind. maybe just deactivate it. <laughs> but I've actually deleted my account. I went through, I, and frustratingly, I went through the whole process. So it's possible. It may be annoying and they may be, you know, psychologically trying to get you to stay on, but it's possible, but you're in control. <laughs> you can delete these apps. And, and what's even more important is it's not even necessarily bad to have them. You can audit what's on your feed. Stop following stupid profiles. <laughs> I mean, I don't. My social media isn't cluttered with like clout chasers and world star crap or, or whatever or drama or, you know, uh, girls naked, <laughs> essentially, or whatever. I mean, hey, like, you know, I'm not trying to shame anybody. People should be free to do whatever. You know, so I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I'm just saying, though, you know, scrolling through an Instagram feed of just nothing but ass isn't really productive. I mean, let's just be fair. I know everybody wants to look at that, you know, and hey, it is nice to look at, <laughs> but it's not productive, though. You know, maybe maybe in moderation, but, but you know, it, it, you know, I'm just saying I follow a lot of like, you know, I don't know, inspirational, motivational, you know, I used to follow a lot of the stupid, you know, inspirational, motivational. I mean, even with the positive profiles, you still kind of have to really sort those out because a lot of them are even like fake or scammy or they're trying to get you to buy some course or, you know, all these fake gurus and stuff. But the thing is, is 
my point is you're in control though. It, you know, Mark Zuckerberg isn't sitting around a table, you know, writing your name down personally. And is like, I'm getting all your data. I'm going to ruin your life. Like he's not some evil arch villain. That's, you know, trying to take over the world. Facebook's taken over the world, but it's because we've all been on it. (laughs) Facebook wouldn't have done anything if we hadn't have all gotten on it. Facebook became what it became because of us, not because of Mark. I mean, yeah, sort of because of Mark, because obviously he created it, but I'm just saying, but the, even if, even though he created it, it doesn't mean it had to grow anywhere, grow anywhere, go anywhere, whatever. But I'm just saying, we, we all made a conscious choice to sign up and, you know, create profiles and interact on these websites. We all made a conscious choice. No, I, at least for me, no one held a gun to my head. Every account I've ever created was on my own w- goodwill or whatever. <laughs> I did it. You know what I mean? There was no, there was no gun in my head. There was no, you know, subconscious mind programming MK ultra that was like activated. And then I was like, Oh, I must sign up for Facebook. Like, no. (laughs) So all I'm saying is, is like, you know, this is, we've done this, but sometimes because we demonize things, we end up creating monsters that aren't even there. And so my overall point, I know, I know I can go on and go off, you know, onto little tangents and stuff. But my overall point, though, is, is that I do think we we are going to have to reexamine and really start, you know, looking at technology in more positive ways. I understand. Look, I love the environment. I love nature and getting outside as much as anyone else. But here's the thing. You can have both. <laughs> it's OK to be on social media and go outside. Like, I, I don't understand this, like why it's got to be one or other. Well, I got to get off social media so I can go outside and be a human being. We'll just surf Instagram for five minutes and then go outside or go outside first and then just don't spend two to three hours on Instagram. I mean, <laughs> I like I don't know. I don't get this. It's like no one's forcing you to do this stuff. I, I love the peace and quiet and being outside. I mean, dude, like I live out in the country, so. I literally get to basically be in nature as soon as I walk out of my house and I love it. (laughs) Like it's great. It's peaceful. I love, I love being around the trees. I mean, sometimes I just stand out there and I just look at them. I know that sounds stupid, but I mean, if you actually learn about trees and, and it's relationship with the environment and even with us, you'll understand that's really not as crazy as it may sound, but I'm just saying the thing is, is we, they can coexist. I mean, they're going to have to, we already coexist because we're not going back in time. So I think that was one of my favorite things about what, you know, when Neo <clears throat> caught up with Niobe, how she was saying Zion was stuck in the past, because I really think that that's what's happening now. I think a lot of people are stuck in the past and you're seeing that in politics, especially, <laughs> I mean, make America great again. You know, all these things, people upset with progressiveness. People don't want things to change. But the problem is, is that's literally the foundation of life. Entropy, order to disorder or right. Or yeah, it's order to disorder. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like change is literally one of the most pure, true facts of life. Evolution. And I don't necessarily mean Darwin evolution. I just mean like I mean, you even evolve as a person, even even if you don't, you know, mentally grow, you age, you don't stay a child, you grow up, 
you know, so this is what I'm saying. Like, this is the law. One of the laws of life is change evolution. So to want to stay stagnant or stay in the past is literally you're literally working against the way life is supposed to work. (laughs) It's like even in Dune, uh, the quote, I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm probably going to not say it right. But he, he said, uh, the mystery of life, the mystery of life is not a question to solve or something, but a reality to experience. And there's nothing to gain from stopping the process or, or from stopping it or whatever. We must move with the flow of the process. So that's what I'm saying. We are going to have to embrace the future at some point. We cannot continue to stay stagnant or stay stuck in the past. I mean, why do you, why do you think Elon Musk is doing all this stuff with Mars? <laughs> he, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like billionaires and things like that, but I mean, whatever you believe he may be or what he may really be, the point is, is that's going to help us evolve. I know a lot of people say, well, we need to fix problems on earth. Well, I mean, <laughs> we are, I, we are fixing problems on earth. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't remember where it's from, but there's like statistics showing that like we are literally living in the most peaceful era of human history. You just don't believe that because you watch the mainstream media. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people believe, I mean, you watch that, of course, you're going to think like we're always, you know, oh my God, we're going to wake up tomorrow and everyone's going to set the nukes off. No, <laughs> that would be stupid. Why? Why? Why would they do that? No, it's the mainstream media. Like it's, this is the matrix. Like, did anyone watch the movie? <laughs> you know, so that, that was just, that was one of my favorite things about that film. And I, that I did not expect. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I didn't know how it was. I didn't know how the story was going to play out. I didn't know where it was going to go. So to see a new city and, and one that was actually making more progress than Zion made was really impactful to me because that's something that, you know, um, is really dear to me is like what Niobe said, a world without war is possible. Like that struck me, bro. Like a lot of people don't understand like the implications of that. (laughs) You know, people think this stuff is so normal. Everything we do, all this fighting and all this war and all stuff. We've been so programmed to think it's normal. And I mean, I get it. Violence is kind of part of human nature. So I get it. But I do think, though, that we still make choices like violence. Obviously, yeah, is a is a human nature thing. It's it's probably always going to be a thing. But at the same time, though, as a whole, collectively, though, we could still have a world without war. Yeah, there'll probably still be people who will murder people and things like that. But on a collective level, though, I mean, I, I, you know, I think that it's all about how we choose to interact with the world and what our choices like mean, you know, on the collective scale. So (laughs) I know I probably sound like I'm just speaking gibberish right now, but I'm, I'm winging it. So I promise you, I know what I'm talking. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, you know, I mean, I'm not, 
you know, I know a lot of people when I talk like this, they think that I'm some like pretentious asshole who thinks he knows everything. Look, I'm not an expert. I'm not claiming to be. I'm just a nerd. Like, I, I don't I don't think I should have to apologize for just being passionate about, you know, philosophical implications of something or, or you know, how society is and how things could be or should be, you know, whatever. So I, I just think that that's something, though, that Resurrections really hit on uh, because, I mean, they even said it at the end of the movie and I, I even say it. I wholeheartedly believe that people don't really want to be free. I think the whole idea of everyone screaming freedom and patriot is very ironic <laughs> because you live in a society that trades freedom for security. You cannot have both. You want to be free. You can't live here. You can't live under the rule of a government. That's not freedom. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. You want to be in the matrix. And I think people expected another matrix that was going to be a shoot 'em up, uh, you know, more bullet time, you know, stuff. And I think Lena wanted to show something that was like, look, this isn't that, you know, but we, we need to go more towards love. A lot of people, a lot of people don't like that, man. I'm telling you, 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 you listen to critiques of all kinds of movies, especially like Interstellar. That is usually the problem, like with certain movies like this, people hate the love aspect. And I think that's very telling of society because it's the thing that will free us literally. <laughs> I mean, literally that's kind of how kind of the point of the matrix. I mean, without Neo and Trinity being in love, they don't, nothing is accomplished literally without them being together. Neither one of them. I mean, it just, they would have just kept going like they were going like, or either it would have gotten worse because I guess if there was no savior, then I guess all the humans probably would have just been killed. <laughs> so, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I just think, but I, I, th I think resurrections will be uh, better received. A lot of these movies like this, I think are just a little bit ahead of their time. And I know a lot of people are going to hate me saying this stuff, because it's going to sound like I'm making a lot of excuses for this film, but it, it's. I don't care how this sounds, but I'm just very good at picking up on nuance and context and subtext and things like that. Like, so for me, I can just see the layers. I've already watched it multiple times. So it's like every time I watch it, it peels back more layers. So and I, I really think a lot of people would be. Uh, greatly benefited if they did that. I know that's not what people really like, but I really think if you read discussions and you actually start digging more deeply, actually going down the rabbit hole, <laughs> I think you'll appreciate this film more. Like I said, uh, I really, I still wish the action had been, you know, uh, I, th I really think if the action had been better, this film actually really would have been uh, better received because I think, all of the world building and the dialogue stuff, you know, the, the, <clears throat> you know, when they're just talking and moving the story forward, like I loved all of that. Like that felt very matrix. It, it sucked me right back in again. I mean, even from the beginning when bugs is rewatching, you know, the beginning of the first matrix, even though it's not the real one, but she's watching it and she's like, you know, this is where it all began. And so, I mean, dude, like that, I got emotional. I mean, cause it's like, that's just, 
you know, it's just cool, man. <laughs> but <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, ju- I just think people are too cynical. You know, you'll say I make excuses, but I think you're too cynical. I, th- I think people just need to relax, man. Just enjoy the movie. I mean, you can't possibly expect to get another first Matrix. I mean, that's never going to happen. It's just not. <laughs> and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Because the great thing about this is that you can always rewatch the Matrix. And I think that's the problem is, you know, that's the heart. That's the paradox of it, right? You watch a film as great as that. So you want more of it, but you can't have more of it. And I mean, rewatching it is great. But at a certain point, I mean, you're like, okay, well, I've seen it so many times. You know what I mean? So I get it. It's kind of paradoxical. That's why I say, like, I just sort of accept that. I I just accept that, you know, (laughs) it's probably not going to live up to that. But as long as they tell a good, compelling story, I'm okay. Like, I can be satisfied with that. And Reloaded and Revolutions and Resurrection gave me that. You literally have a story from beginning to end. And Resurrections adds an even better finality to it, in my opinion, because Neo and Trinity get an even better ending. They got another chance. And I think that's that's awesome. I mean, we need more love out in the world. And I mean, I know some people may say, well, it's not that serious, you know, but I, you know, I, I think that's one of the best things about art and films is that, you know, we can show things that I feel like the world needs more of and that isn't getting enough of. And I think that's one reason movies like this, uh, people tend to have issues with, honestly, because I mean, like I said, you listen to a lot of people's critiques of Interstellar, I guarantee you like 95% of them are going to be like, Ooh, love solves everything, blah, blah, blah. That's stupid. (laughs) I mean, but that's the thing that it, 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 a lot of people are so, uh, you know, programmed or and, and, you know, we're all living in this bullcrap society where people are working jobs they hate and, it, you know, everybody's angry. Everybody's full of hate. So, I mean, yeah, of course, you know, you're depressed, you're angry, you know, and, and you know, you, you see something that's kind of pushing love in your face. A lot of times people are like, Psh. Oh, you know, I don't want it. That's corny or, you know, whatever, you know, but I mean, I'll be honest, watching Neo and Trinity at a, at a coffee shop called Simulate was compelling to me. I liked it. I mean, this movie was so weird. Like, I feel like I liked just the characters speaking to each other more than the action. So it's like, honestly, I feel like this movie may have even been better without action at all. Honestly, but I mean, I, I understand that that definitely would have been very polarizing. I mean, I feel like this film is already kind of polarizing because I know a lot of people, too, are probably going to call political correctness with the whole Trinity thing. But I don't think it's really that, you know, with her, because uh, I, I don't even know if it's, you know, you know, because some people are like, well, is she the one now and stuff like that? And I don't know if it's really that because, I mean, I think that's kind of the funny thing about the Matrix, right? The, the philosophy part, because I feel like the Oracle would say something like, you know, is Neo really the one or did he just believe it enough that it happened? Like, you know what I'm saying? And so it's kind of like now that Trinity is also kind of freed her mind, she's kind of bending the rules just like Neo can. I mean, they all can bend the rules. 
they all can actually. I mean, I think uh, the Merovingian even had Neo like powers at one point. So, I mean, in some sense, it's almost kind of like, I mean, depending on your belief, almost anyone in the Matrix could be the one. It's just really all kind of a matter of belief and perspective. Now, obviously, that's that's a theory. But uh, I kind of like that, though, uh, you know, with Neo and Trinity sort of having that, uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of cool because, I mean, I feel like they they can't really accomplish what they need to accomplish without each other anyway. So, I mean, they are kind of, they're not really a yin and yang. That's kind of more Neo and Smith, but they're kind of like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, they, they're just two puzzle pieces that fit perfectly, I guess. Like they can't, you know, the puzzle can't be completed without, you know, that's the best I got. So, (laughs) but anyway, I, I don't know if any, anything that I just said, uh, made any sense like the last like 40 minutes this is what I get for winging it every time I do this I really need to start scripting these out but I just think a lot of people are going to go in and I, I I do see why a lot of people there's going to be a lot of Matrix fans I think there's going to be a lot of Matrix fans that love it like me and there's going to be a lot of Matrix fans that hate it and I think both are valid but I also think it's a matter of perspective um, cause I, I'll admit my first time watching it, um, I enjoyed moments, but the action, I was like, man, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, and then even with his new power, right. The force push or explosion, whatever, whatever it is, it's like, you know, that would have been cool to see, you know, but, but I, I think the more you learn about the story behind this film, and what Lena, I think, wanted to do with it. I think a lot of the choices make sense. And I think it's a huge risk. And I like it in that sense. I think, you know, movies should we need to go back to the 70s where people are taking more risk. We need more experimental films anyway. I mean, I'm not saying this is experimental in a, in a genre sense. I mean, I don't know if I can say this 100 percent because I know a lot of people say it's an excuse. But I I do think that Lena may have honestly done the action like this on purpose. I really think you could make a strong case that the action was seriously lacking for a reason. I think it was purposeful. And to take a risk like that, to me, this is going to be controversial. But I think Resurrections may have actually pulled off kind of like what the original Matrix did. Like the original one was such a huge risk, right? And you, you didn't know what you were about to witness and you see this, you know, incredible film and you're blown away. Now, I'm not saying that Resurrections did that, right? Like you saw some new revolutionary thing, you know, like the bullet time scene and all that. But the the to to take the risk of making this film and actually recontextualizing it for like 2021 and to actually take the risk to say, look, this film isn't about the action and the shoot 'em up. It's about like the philosophy and love and, you know, what our relationship with technology means, the machines. I mean, it's it's layered. There's all kinds of meanings to stuff. There's not really one definitive meaning. But I think because of that, though, and people are so used to the formulaic films and having spectacle that is good, uh, you know, I think a lot of people aren't going to pick up on that. You know, a lot of people aren't going to do enough 
they're not going to do any research or go look at other things. They're never going to have the context or nuance. They're just going to see the film at a surface level. Uh, funny, ironically enough, right? The Matrix watching it at surface level is kind of pointless. But hey, I think a lot of there's going to be a lot of people that never see that. And even if they even if they're told that, I think a lot of people are going to think it's an excuse. They're just going to say, no, nah, it's a bad movie. And look, man, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, Look, people's opinions are valid in a sense, right? It's your opinion. You're allowed to think it's bad. I'm not saying that. But I do think it's not even just with this film. I think with a lot of films, people are ruining the experiences for themselves. I think people would enjoy a lot more films like this if they really just kind of let go. I mean, you know, don't be so cynical and hold on so tight. Everything doesn't have to be a Kubrick film. It doesn't have to be a tight, you know. I mean, I'm just saying it, it just doesn't. You know, sometimes... You know, movies can be more than just popcorn entertainment. I know everybody loves their MCU. Um, and, and, and listen, I'm not trying to start a debate there. I think popcorn entertainment, there's there's room for all kinds of movies. There's room for, you know, art house, auteur films and, and blockbusters. Right. There's there's plenty of room for all these films. But I think the thing is, though, is with the blockbusters, there's they are the ones that are so pushed more that I think people are so used to the formulaic three act structure. You know, everything's kind of telegraph. I mean, Quentin Tarantino said this. I mean, just about every movie you watch these days in the first 10 minutes, you already know everything. Every And that's especially true with every Marvel movie. Everybody freaked out about No Way Home, Spider-Man. But you we all knew what was going to happen. It doesn't matter how many times Andrew Garfield or whoever said, no, I'm not in this movie. <laughs> Come on. There's no way they were making this movie without, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, and I haven't even seen it and I, and I, I knew it. I mean, why, why even that was their only option to, 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 to do that. I mean, it's the smartest thing in the world. Why would you not, <laughs> you know? So, and, and look, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I get it. Like I said, there's room for both. I'm not trying to start a debate. I don't care. I, I like Marvel movies and DC movies, too. All right. I think there's I can turn my brain off. You know, I don't expect every movie to be, you know, Kubrick and Tarkovsky. OK, like I can distinguish what kind of movies I'm walking into, you know. <laughs> so um, I just think, though, that that's kind of the issue with those films is there's so many of them. Uh, that people have gotten used to the formula and they think every movie has to be that way. But I think Lana really wanted to drive home a point. So she was willing to sacrifice something in the movie and probably knowing that people were going to like really be mad and pissed off about it. But I, I kind of applaud that. I mean, like I said, I still personally wish the action had been better, but I love when an artist or filmmaker, you know, whatever, wants to take a risk and do something that's not the norm. Like I am all for that because like I said, you know, look, blockbusters are cool and everything, but you know, it is a formula, but there's no rules to this. Stories don't have to be a certain way. They don't have to be told a certain way. There's no rules to this. I understand there's an industry and the industry likes rules. That's because they want to make money. <laughs> 
They want to maximize profits. They have found a formula that seems to work the best to maximize profits. So they want to keep using it over and over. That's why you keep watching the same movies over and over. So it's not because the that formula is the best one. It's because it's the one that works the best to make the most money. So it's just easy for people to follow, right? Three act structure, beginning, middle, end, you know, introduction, conflict, resolution, boom, you're done. Simple. You know, you get to sit back, enjoy some spectacles, some, you know, great looking people, <laughs> you know, that would never even be in these situations. But hey, you know, <laughs> so I'm just saying if that's what Lena did, like, I really applaud her for that. I think that's that's awesome. I mean, taking risk, it's kind of like what James Wan did with Malignant. Like, I love that movie and I love that James Wan was willing <clears throat> was willing to take a risk on making a film like that, knowing that a lot of people weren't going to necessarily. I mean, he tell he told you what really what it was going to be, but it's not like everybody is going to see that. So but there's probably a lot of people that walk that, that watch that movie expecting like Insidious or The Conjuring, like, <laughs> you know, so. <clears throat> um, I, I just think that, you know, I, I just I want people to start shifting their perspectives, man. You know, I just <clears throat> I don't know. I just feel like people would enjoy movies so much more if they just didn't have this such this cynical outlook and everything has to be this way. And people build up these fantasies in their mind and these, you know, oh, I want the movie to be like this and this and this. And I get it. I love the Matrix. I love, you know, fandom and being a part of these universes and all the lore. Look, I, I'm a sucker for it, too, man. I get it. I, you know, but the thing is, though, at the end of the day, this is the Wachowski's universe, though. This is not our universe. This is not our story. This is their story. We enjoy it. We love it. And, you know, we may be deep into the lore and everything. We may, Oh, crap. We may know everything off the top of our head, have every scene memorized. But the thing is, is this, this universe is not ours, you know, so we don't necessarily get to dictate, you know, I feel like that's kind of one thing that, you know, I feel bad about George Lucas with is because the Star Wars fan base, I feel like they just completely tried to like take over and act like, well, we know what Star Wars is. And, and I'm like, oh, really? Like you wouldn't even have it if it, you know, I mean, you can bring up all the arguments about he had help and all that. Look, I get all that. But at the end of the day, you wouldn't have Star Wars without Lucas. You can shit on him all you want for the prequels. But he even asked several people to direct those movies and they said, no, what was the man supposed to do? OK, <laughs> like I'm just saying he clearly probably didn't want to direct them themselves because he was probably afraid of what ended up happening. He probably was afraid of that happening. And then it did anyway. So all I'm saying is, is I think sometimes the consumers get a little bit entitled and think like, well, I developed this love and appreciation for this film or this you know work of art. And you almost take ownership of it, but you don't own it. You don't. It's the creator. Uh, they created it. You wouldn't have it without the creator. So to me, I'm OK with her taking that risk. Like I said, if I had made this film, I would have personally, you know, done the action different. But this is, you know, her story or her and uh, Lily's story. So, I mean, you know, I can't really have a say so in how she decides to tell the story. But anyway, 
Um, I've almost gone on for an hour here, so I'm gonna probably wrap this up. But <clears throat> um, I mean, look, I it's not a perfect film. Um, but neither was reloaded in revolutions. And so I, I just, you know, I guess I just don't get why people really built their hopes up. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't, I, I'm just confused, I guess. I mean, I guess, I mean, cause I did see a lot of people that were like, you know, oh man, I really want this to be as good as the first one. And as soon as I saw that, I knew it. I was like, dude, you're setting yourself up. I'm telling you. You, you don't need to go that far with it because there's there's just no I mean, there's no way you can do it, you know, so I don't know. I just felt compelled to do this. I was seeing a lot of discussion and, you know, a lot of, a lot of people just seem to not like it. And it really just bothers me, man. I mean, I, you know, I understand people. It's sub, subjectivity is a thing, right? Like, obviously, people are, are going to like and dislike things like not everybody's going to like the same thing. So I get it. But I just feel like with a lot of other films, just like this one, I just feel like if people just shifted their perspective a little bit and to to uh, use to, pu- to use a pun intended pun, uh, if people were to free their mind a little bit, I think that they would see this stuff because, I mean, I-, I wish people could see Resurrections the way I see it, because I think if people did, they would realize like how great of a Matrix film it really is. I, I know what that sounds like. And like I said, I'll agree with a lot of the flaws. I mean, look, like I said, the action isn't the best, um, but I do think that there's a point to that. So, you know, I don't completely use that against the film. Obviously, you know, no one can replicate Smith. OK, I'm going to wrap this up real quick because I'm kind of running out of space now. Um, And I've been talking for a while anyway. Um. But yeah, I acknowledge it's a flawed film. It is. I get it. But I I just I think that a lot of people I hate to say this because I know what it sounds like, but I think a lot of people are really missing the messages, which I think is kind of what Lena was trying to show. So I think a lot of people that are kind of just dismissing the film are kind of proving her point. Um, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people say I'm making excuses and it's a cop out, but sometimes it's not about the execution. Um, obviously the execution is not on par with the first film. Duh. But I think the ideas and themes and messages that they were trying to put across, I think are on par. And, and I think that's the big, the biggest reasons I like reloaded in revolutions. The execution doesn't have to be perfect. If the lore and the story are great, I mean, that's a known fact, dude, like found footage movies would not even be a genre if people necessarily cared about execution (laughs) because found footage movies literally break every damn rule. And, And a lot of people don't like the shaky cam stuff, but yet people watch those films. They make a lot of money. Like, so I'm just saying execution isn't 100 percent everything. No, it's not executed perfectly. It's not a perfect film. But I, like I said, I think very much like Reloaded and Revolutions, I think the ideas, the messages, the philosophical stuff, how it relates to the real world, I think all of that is still just as on par as the first film. And I say I feel that way about Reloaded and Revolutions. I don't think those things have ever really been... Um, you know, impacted. I think across all four films that has been consistent. Now the execution, like I said, is obviously different. The execution on the first film 
was just, I mean, it was all, I guess it was like destiny that it was just, it just turned out like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously things were pretty different 2003 then they probably had a bigger budget maybe even more studio interference i mean there's probably a lot of stuff we don't even know you know so um anyway i guess to wrap it up you know i i it's just it kind of makes me sad and disappointed man you know i just wish people could shift their <clears throat> sorry shift their perspective a little bit i mean like i said i understand you're allowed to dislike the film i'm not here to i, I don't want to argue you know what I mean? Uh, th- th- people are allowed to have their opinions. If you think it's the worst film you've ever seen, hey, more power to you. You know, I'm just trying to offer, you know, maybe a different perspective on it. I know to a lot of people it will sound like I'm just making excuses. I understand. I get it. I know what it sounds like. Um, but I think there's there's a lot of thing. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of truth rooted in what I'm saying, just based off of what I've read you know, from seeing what Lena has said about it and seeing what people discussing it have said, um, you know, I just, I, I just kind of lean that way more. So, but, uh, anyway, you know, I don't know what I would rate it. Um, I mean, I guess kind of the rating it has, I think most people are kind of giving it like a seven out of 10 and on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like what, 66% or something. I mean, I feel like that's kind of accurate. Uh, cause like I said, the film itself isn't really perfectly executed. Um, but I liked a lot of the new additions. Uh, one of the things I didn't necessarily care for was like that bird machine that felt a little like, you know, some Digimon or Pokemon. I mean, you know, like, I don't know. I like the machines. Like when he first got back on the ship, uh, that helped him get out of his pod. Like those felt kind of matrix, uh, centric, but the bird one was kind of like, I don't know, that that started getting into like, you know, Transformers almost or something. I mean, I don't know. It was just kind of weird. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, you know, some of the stuff I wasn't crazy about, obviously, like I said, I'll admit it's definitely not a perfect film. I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that it's, you know, the most artsy film ever. And it's, you know, such a masterpiece. You know, I'm not saying that this is The Matrix. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like I said, it's the fourth one. I'm not expecting lightning lightning in a bottle again because I don't think it's possible with something as big as the Matrix at this point. You know, so I think with what they had and what you know the direction they went, I think they did the best they can for sequels. I mean, how many franchises do you know make it this far and even have a decent film as the fourth one? I mean, Resurrections for a fourth film in a franchise, I mean, I would say it's pretty good. I mean, uh, versus other fourth films, I mean, I don't really think a lot of people care about Alien 4 or whatever it was called. Funny. Oh, wasn't that called Alien Resurrection? That's funny. I think it was called Alien Resurrection because Ripley was (laughs) resurrected. That's hilarious because they made like a clone or something. I think that's hilarious. The uncanniness. That's funny. I don't know. I said uncanniness, but it's just kind of funny. They use the same. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, I I, I just think I, I think, though, uh, over time, more people will discuss it. It's kind of like a lot of movies like Tenet. I think Tenet is the same way. I think a lot of people uh, didn't really care for it, um, didn't really hold your hand. And I mean, I understand if 
if you're not really big on that kind of stuff, that movie probably does feel like a lot of just random stuff happening <laughs> because it, it kind of just drops you in the middle of the loop. It doesn't really, you know, it's already just going. So I think it's kind of like that. Like I think over time people will look back on a movie like Tenet and think of it more fondly. Cause like I said, I think once people start rewatching more of these movies, like, you know, people will be mad and they'll be like, man, this movie sucked, but they'll watch it again years later and maybe they'll be like, Hmm, <laughs> you know? So I'm just saying, because like I said, I've already watched this film about two or three times now. I I know it sounds weird. I said about two or three names because I'm also kind of just watching certain scenes over and over just because I like certain moments in the film. And I like to do that anyway. It's kind of like studying in a sense. I just like to watch rewatch scenes like over and over just to kind of, you know, you know, get technical with it or whatever. But well, I guess I'm going to wrap that up. You know, I don't really know what else I could say. I, I just, you know, hopefully maybe someone who didn't really like the film, maybe you listen to this and maybe you won't think that I'm some like pretentious asshole. And maybe you'll like think like maybe I'll give it another watch because I really think I mean, this is the Matrix. I mean, at minimum, you should probably be watching Matrix movies at least three times or more because, I mean, it, this is the Matrix. It's a film that's like literally layered on purpose <laughs> because of the nature of the story. So, you know, I mean, I think people should be rewatching it. People make these final judgments off of one viewing. And I'm like, watch it a few times. I'm telling you, because you'll pick up on more things. You'll see. I'm telling you, I mean, that's just how it works, because once you know what's happened, now your brain can focus on other details that you weren't focusing on because you were trying to figure out what was going to happen in the story. Well, now you know what happens. Go back and figure out other things because there's going to be other little pieces that start connecting things and things are going to start making more sense. And you're going to be like, oh, that's why this happened and stuff, because you may have been confused and you thought the movie was bad because you're like, well, in this scene, I thought this was stupid. Why would they do this? Well, maybe you'll watch it again later and you'll catch a detail because sometimes it's happened. You'll miss a little a word or maybe a piece of dialogue or something. Sometimes filmmakers don't hold your hand. You know, so and this movie doesn't really even do that a, a lot, honestly. I mean, I was kind of surprised with Morpheus just talking about the key shop. I, I didn't even pick up on that until the second time I watched it, because when he said it the first time I watched it, I was like, what is he even talking about? And I forgot about the key shop, the guy with the keys. And that was how. But when I watched it again. I was like, oh, he found that that shop. And that's how this all connected. <laughs> I guess I didn't really hear him say key shop the first time or something, or it just didn't register. But I guess, I guess once I had the subtitles on, I saw he said key shop. I was like, Oh, it put everything together. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Cause I mean, they, they didn't, he just said key shop. He didn't make any other reference to what was his name? The key, the key maker or whatever. So, but anyway, uh, you know, I really encourage people to, to, to really get into some discussion about this film and rewatch it. I, I really think a lot of the hate is not, it doesn't deserve as much hate. Like I said, I know the execution, I will agree the execution, but I'm telling you, I think when you really dive a little deeper into this, I think you'll see that resurrections is really, uh, greater than it, it looks on the surface level. I really, I really do. And, and like I said, I, I really think part of that was kind of the point. Maybe Lena wanted to be a little more on the nose about the surface level stuff, you know, instead of actually having action scenes 
that are more detailed and have higher stakes. Maybe she wanted to be like, well, I'm just going to have these cookie cutter action scenes because that's what you want to see. So I'm just going to give you dumb action scenes and we're going to be able to tell who really paid attention to the film or not. So, I mean, I just, I implore like, just at least try to watch it again, read some discussion. I'm telling you this film is layered just like the other matrixes or matrices. (laughs) So, you know, try to give it another watch, man. It's really not as bad. Like I said, if you try to think of it, like just think of it in terms of the ideas and the themes and the messages and, and, and try to forgive the execution a little bit, because I mean, to be fair, it, it can't live up to the first one. Anyway, you kind of already have to forgive it for that. It can't be that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'll keep going on and on. So, um, I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, hopefully some of that was coherent. I just winged it. I, I didn't even plan this. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been watching it and I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole again. And the movie got me sucked into this universe again. I mean, I, I miss it. Honestly. Um, I was, man, I was obsessed with this, this universe, man, for a long time. I mean, I'm telling you, that was such a great era to be like a preteen teen in because you had the prequel trilogy, Star Wars and the Matrix. And I mean, if you were into Lord of the Rings, you had that too. I mean, that, that was such a great time to be like into fandom. <laughs> so, cause I mean, I was like, like super deep into Star Wars and the Matrix. So, you know, I, it, it honestly, I mean, honestly, just being back in that world, I guess, is what did it enough for me. And maybe that's kind of not fair. Maybe that's a little too biased. So it kind of skews my <clears throat> perspective. And I'll admit, prob- I guess it probably isn't fair. But I mean, I miss these characters, man. I really do love the story. I really think it's something special, more special than people realize. I know that sounds kind of stupid because it does have a massive fan base, but I think because it relates so much to the real world, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just a lot. I'm just pretty emotionally attached to it. I guess I'm pretty big on philosophy. So obviously I love the matrix. So, uh, but anyway, all right. Uh, I'm going to just finally wrap it up now. So, cause I, like I said, I'll just keep going on and on forever. So, um, uh, love you guys. I hope everyone had a, uh, great Christmas or holidays. Um, and hopefully you're, uh, I'm going to be celebrating new years here and we're going to go into the new year strong. I know a lot of stuff's going on, you know, COVID and all that. And everybody is, you know, world's in a crazy place. I mean, the world's always in a crazy place, but we're in a really weird, crazy place right now. So, but Hey man, we got to keep pushing along. We'll get, we'll get through it. Um, you know, life's full up and down. Real motivational there, but life's full of ups and downs. I almost messed it up again. <laughs> that tells you I just need to go. So I'm I'm not a motivational speaker here, but you get the point. It's a roller coaster. We're go we're gonna go back up soon. You know we're gonna be all right. So anyway, uh, watch the film again, please. If you hated it, please. <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, I will catch you guys in the next episode. Uh. Peace.